Amen. So, our theme for the last uh, five Sundays has been like Jesus, fill in the blank that comes ahead of that. Our, our main Bible verse for this series is Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, which says, God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that the Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God chose us so that we would become like His Son. That was God's plan for us. And we've taken five weeks to look at some aspects of what being like His Son would involve. And today we're going to come on to the last part of that. When I went to Bible college in, in 1968, uh, I went to Bible college. It was a very small denominational college. And when I arrived, I was told where my accommodation would be. Now, some of you, some of you kind of who've been through college in more recent years or are there now, you would cringe if I told you this. So I was in a dormitory with six other guys, which was basically one big room. Well, which probably wasn't that big. There were three beds up one side, bed, nightstand, bed, nightstand, bed, nightstand, four beds up the other side, that was it. There was one big dresser, we had a drawer each. And there was one wardrobe closet thing there that wasn't that big that we could take some space in. Believe it or not, there was a time in history where we didn't all have wardrobes that were overflowing with clothes. That was before Coles started in business. So, uh, so, so that was where we were. And then the luxury was we had an ensuite bathroom. One bathroom, seven guys. One big bath because actually some students from some other rooms got to use the bath as well. So we had a schedule. You could take a bath once a week for 30 minutes. No showers, bath once a week for 30 minutes. There were two sinks in there, which was good because two guys could get ready at the same time. And then the essential piece of equipment in the bathroom was, was behind a kind of a little screen, which was good because somebody could be using the essential piece of equipment while two other guys were getting washed and shaved and ready for the day. It was very civilized. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> On that screen, some... Before our time, I guess, there were some, some students must have kind of, they, 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 they pinned up, they posted up some different kind of uh, sayings and poems and verses. And I guess it's a testament to the, how long I spent on the John that I still remember a couple of those. <laughs> and, and one of them went like this, okay? Inspirational verses from the toilet. Are you ready? <laughs> Life at its best is brief like the falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheaf, be in time. That's it. <laughs> Not Shakespeare, but it rhymed. <laughs> life at its best is brief. And I used to look at that when I was 18 years old. It's like, when you're 18 years old, life isn't brief. When you're 18 years old, you've got the whole of your life in front of you. But, but the, the, the bottom line of that kind of little poem was, 
be in time. In other words, live in the moment. Enjoy the day you have now, the life you have now. It's a carpe diem kind of thing. Seize the day. Enjoy the day. Because here's the thing. Life is passing. None of us will be here forever. Sometimes we prefer not to think about that, and I totally get that, but the reality is none of us will be here forever. We will all, at some point in time and in some way, we will leave this world. That's reality. None of us knows when. None of us knows how. I'm just grateful standing here this Sunday morning to be able to say that I have no fear of death. I'm a bit apprehensive about dying, and I certainly don't want to be leaving people that I love. But I've got no apprehension whatever about death. Because here's the thing. There's a great story in the book of Genesis, at least it's not really a story, it's one of these guys that gets about one line and that's it. It says this, Enoch walked with God. I'm going to quote the King James Version because that's how I learned the Bible and that's the real Bible. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So Enoch was a godly man. He lived his life and one day God took him. That's all it tells you about Enoch. That was it. God took him. I, I want you to know whenever any child of God leaves this earth, the doctors are going to write something on a certificate, but that isn't really the story. The story is God took him. God took her. That's what the story is. Oh, there's going to be some means by which it happens. There'll be something that takes place. But the bottom line is this, because God is the giver of life and God is the one who planned our lives, the fact is this, I will not randomly die one day from a disease or from an accident or from something else. One day God will take me. And there'll be some event that transpires that brings that about. But the bottom line is that God takes us. I was, uh, we were listening in the car today, they, they played an, uh, an old Christian song from, from, from way back, uh, Because He Lives, and, and the, um, the last verse says, and then one day I'll cross the river, I'll fight life's final war with pain, and then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory, and I'll know He lives. That's the future of the child of God. Listen, we're all going to leave this earth. We're all going to leave this earth because for every one of us who knows the Lord today, our confidence is this, our home is in heaven, eternal life is ours, and the fact is we will leave this earth when God takes us. Amen. When God takes us. Life here is brief. But let me say this. Life continues, and life continues for the believer on two levels. I want you to hear me out here, because some of you think I'm going nuts right now, right? Life continues for the believer on two levels. For the Christian, life continues in heaven, in the presence of the Lord, enjoying what He has prepared for us, okay? 
but the life of a believer continues on earth too through the influence that they have had on those that they have impacted in life. Are you with me there? So actually they go to heaven, but their influence is left behind them. here's, Here's what it says in Revelation 14. It says, I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They're blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds follow them. So those who leave us live on in two ways. They themselves live in the presence of God, but their influence and impact is what lives on in the lives of those who they have impacted. If you think about it, Jesus lived on this earth for 33 years, which is not long. He ministered publicly for three and a half of those years. So for 30 years, there was nothing special going on. For three and a half years, he ministered publicly. And yet, the impact of his life and death continues still 2,000 years later. Last year, it was estimated there were 2.54 billion Christians in this world which means approximately one-third of the world's population are Christians. 2,000 years later, Christianity is the largest faith by far that there is in this world because Jesus left something that would last. And our goal needs to be the same. And in this last part of this series, I want to encourage you today Prepare so that you leave like Jesus. Leave like Jesus. When Jesus left, he left a lasting legacy that would impact this world. Leave like Jesus. And I want to identify three areas in which we need to make it our goal to leave like Jesus. Number one, leave a purpose worth dying for. Leave a purpose worth dying for. So Jesus, after his resurrection, did not hang out all the time with his followers, but he appeared to them at different times over a period of 40 days. And then one day he is walking with them, and they are walking together up the Mount of Olives outside of Jerusalem. And as they are walking, they are talking together. And after that conversation, or at a point in that conversation, The Bible says Jesus started to rise up and he ascended into heaven and a cloud received him out of their sight. Part of that conversation is recorded in the first chapter of the book of Acts where Jesus says there in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says to his disciples, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after this was said, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus left his followers a purpose 
which they proved was worth dying for. Their purpose that they were going to be Jesus' witnesses wherever they would go. And that became a purpose they embraced so strongly. They wanted to live their lives and dedicate their lives to reflecting Jesus and showing Jesus to other people. And they really took it to the extreme. We know Jesus had 12 disciples. One of them, Judas Iscariot, betrayed him and then went out and hung himself. So that left 11 of Jesus' disciples. Andrew, who was the brother of Peter, was martyred by crucifixion. He hung alive on an X-shaped cross for two days and all the time was encouraging people to believe in Jesus as he expired. Bartholomew was martyred by being skinned alive and then crucified head down. James, the son of Zebedee, brother of John, was beheaded or stabbed through with a sword, one or the other. We know it was with a sword. That's recorded for us in the book of Acts. James, the son of Alphaeus, who was the first bishop of Jerusalem, was martyred in the early 90s by th being thrown from a pinnacle at the temple at Jerusalem. Then he was stoned and his head was bashed in with a club. John, the son of Zebedee, is the only one we know of amongst the twelve who died a natural death, but he went through some awful experiences before that happened. Jude Thaddeus was martyred by being beaten with a club and then crucified in Turkey in AD 72. Matthew was martyred about 60 AD by being staked and speared to the ground. He, was, he preached the gospel in Ethiopia and was killed because he questioned the morals of the king. Simon Peter was martyred at Rome by the emperor Nero. He was crucified upside down at his own request because he said he was not worthy to be crucified the same way Jesus was. Philip is said to have been tortured, impaled by iron hooks in his ankles, hung upside down to die in Egypt. Simon the Zealot, is thought to have ministered mostly in the Jordan area, was martyred by crucifixion and was then sawn in half. Thomas was martyred by being killed with a spear in India. He had taken the gospel to Iran and then to Kerala, in the south of India. Jesus left his followers with a purpose that apparently was worth dying for. You know, the best thing we leave to those who are following after us is a purpose worth living for. And if it should come to that, a purpose worth dying for. You know, as, as, as any parent would be, we're, we're all committed to making life as calm and as comfortable as we can for our children and for those coming after us, and that's fair enough. But more than that, we need to leave them the example of living a fulfilling, worthwhile life. And often, if you're, if you're living a fulfilling, worthwhile life, it will be neither calm nor comfortable. Leaving like Jesus means we, we leave an example of absolute commitment to God and to God's purposes and to making serving God our priority, whatever hardships that might involve. I, 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 um, 
There's a song by Larry Fleet called A Life Worth Living, and uh, part of the lyrics go like this. Well, those that know me well know I'm known for raising hell. Some of you could have written that. Those who know me well know I'm known for raising hell. I got scars and I got stories I can't believe I live to tell. No, it ain't hard to see I ain't the man I want to be, but I try to love everyone God puts in front of me. And that's a life worth living, the way I want to spend my days, because the time we're given so quickly slips away. I try to love everyone God puts in front of me, and that's a life worth living. Leaving like Jesus means we leave those coming after us with a clear picture of a purposeful life, a life worth living, and a life worth dying for. Some people get the idea that if you commit your life to Jesus, you sign up for boredom. They have no idea what they're talking about. Now, I know you can get bored in church, but if you are really pursuing God's purposes, and if you are really living a life that's worth living, and if you're really trying to love everybody God puts in your way, then you're going to find that this life is never boring. It is always interesting. It is occasionally terrifying. But it's living. It's living. It's not about the stuff that we accumulate. It's not about the salary that we can ultimately get. It's not about what we're driving or where we're living. It's about when I put my head on the pillow at night, did I feel this day was a worthwhile day? Do I feel it was a good day? And the, what we owe to those that see us and to those that are looking towards us for an example, we owe them that example of living life for what it's really about really about it. You, you know, I, I, I love some of the stuff we were able to do here as a church, out from the church, to help people that are hurting, to, hey, loving everyone God puts in front of me. And we serve a lot of people here with our food pantry on Wednesday mornings, and they, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not just about the food. It's, a, it's about the compassion and the care and loving the folks that come through. And a lot of you might say, well, I wish I could do that, but I, I work Wednesday mornings. That's cool. That's good. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Love everyone that's with you on a Wednesday morning where you are. Oh, darn. That just made it difficult, didn't it? You see, if our lives are self-centered, self-serving, and self-indulgent, then that's the example we're going to pass on to those coming after us. And we need to make sure when our time comes, whenever that is, when we leave, that we've left an example of a purpose that's worth living for and worth dying for. You know, it's quite an amazing thing when you think about it. Six weeks after his resurrection, Jesus left this world, and he left his whole mission for the salvation of mankind in the hands of 
the disciples, who still were unstable, unreliable, unbelieving. Six weeks earlier, Peter had denied that he even knew Jesus. Thomas didn't believe in the resurrection. Philip, after an intense conversation from Jesus, said, I've got no idea what you're talking about. And of course, they all deserted Jesus in his darkest hour. But here we are after the resurrection. This, this particular occasion here is, 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 is in, in Galilee, in Matthew 28. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. I just want you to think about that for a minute. Here were Christ's 11 disciples. They were going to meet with him after the resurrection. And when they see Jesus again, some of them worship him, but others of them, they just weren't sure what's going on. They weren't all in. They hadn't bought into it. And yet, Within days or weeks of that happening, Jesus leaves them and says, okay, it's up to you, now save the world. And it's like they don't even get it. How are they going to save the world? How are they going to do it? He goes on there, from there, when some of these weren't even willing to worship him. And it says in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus, undeterred, he wasn't put off by the fact that they had their doubts. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized me and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus was confident that they had been long enough with him, had seen enough of him, that they could rise to the challenge of becoming world changers. They weren't near that yet, but that's what they would become. And what if Jesus sees in you way more potential than you see in you? In fact, let me rephrase that. I'll just say it as a statement. Jesus sees in you way more potential than you see in you. So get immersed in God's purposes for your sakes and for the sakes of those that are watching you and will be here when you and I have gone. Leave a purpose worth dying for. And then the second thing that I find in the New Testament about leaving like Jesus Jesus left them with a mission, a purpose worth giving themselves to and worth dying for. Secondly, leave an example that's worth following. Leave an example that's worth following. Like it or not, aware of it or not, there are people who watch us all. They see how we deal with things, and they see how we act. They see how we interact with others. And when you leave this world, leave behind you to live on after you.
an example worth following. The, the believers in the New Testament um, weren't called Christians till several years after the church was formed. In fact, in Acts 11.25, it says, it says that it was in Antioch that the disciples were for the first time called Christians. So it wasn't until some way into things that they started calling them Christians. And the reason why people called them Christians was it wasn't, it wasn't a nice word. They actually were mocking them because Christian is made up of two Greek words, and really the idea is little Christs. And so they were laughing at them, thinking, look at them all. They think they're little Jesus. They think they're little Jesus. They think they're little Jesus. Who do you think you are, Jesus? But the fact is that the New Testament believers were so like Christ that that became the thing that those who were hostile used to actually identify them. They were like Christ. And if there's one thing that's so important for every one of us, and God's helping us to work on it, I encourage you today, keep working on it. Let God guide you to become more and more like Christ, so that when we leave, we leave an example that is worth following. Initially, Christians were called people of the way because they followed certain beliefs and they followed certain practices. But the fact is that they became far more known, not for just what they believed, but for how they lived. And it was how they lived that actually marked them out. Leave an example that is worth following. In 1 John 2, in verse 6, it says this, anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. Now, you can read that, and I mean, you could agree with that, right? It's smart, too, because it's the Bible, right? Any, anyone who claims to be intimate with God, you know, our goal should be to live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. Now, I don't know about you. My confession this Sunday morning is I'm not there fully yet, okay? If you are, please stand up, and we will applaud you. Right? I'm not there fully yet. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm a lot closer to it than I once was. And I like to think that in this year, I'm closer to it than I was a year ago. Just a little bit. Becoming more like Christ. But that needs to be our goal. Because as we follow His example and live the same kind of life Jesus lived, then we become an example to those coming after us. 1 Peter 2 verse 21 says this, this is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came His way so you would know that it could be done and also know how to do it. Step by step. The life of Jesus is there for us to be an example. And, and that is so, so important for us to grasp. 
Paul in the, the, the Philippians, he, he says to the, to the Philippians at one point, he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I, I want you just to take a look at, at that verse for a minute and just, just think about this. So Paul's saying, I want you to do what you've seen in me. And I'm going to tell you this, if you've got kids, you don't need to tell them that, they're going to do that. Kids follow their parents' examples. And so they see the things that you are doing. And you know what? If you're half-hearted about your faith, they're going to be a quarter-hearted about their faith. It's not going to get stronger. It's going to get diluted. And if you're really, you know, kind of lukewarm in your commitment to God, then, 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 then there's a chance they're going to be stone cold because they're following your example. And that's why we need to do our utmost to leave to our children, our grandchildren, those in general that are around us in life and who interact with us and who observe us. We need to do everything we can to make sure that we leave an example that is worth following. Because there are people who are going to pick up on how we are. I, I'm going to digress here for a minute and, and I'm going to um, say something I've said before and I'm going to say it again, and I'm not getting on anybody's case here. And uh, if you think I am, please talk to me about it afterwards. But those of you parents with younger children right now, I really want to encourage you in this. Look, the last couple of years have been ridiculously disrupted, unbelievably disrupted. For family life, for our kids in particular. And, and I'm going to tell you this. Your kids need church. Your kids need church. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. If church has become hit and miss because, you know, because of health concerns, um, you know, obviously for a long time there were limitations and, 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 and you felt safer away. But, but here's the thing. It's so easy. They reckon it only takes two weeks to establish a habit. That means to say after two weeks of not being in church, you can establish a habit of not being in church. In 2020, we were closed down for six months. If you can't get here, I love that we can live stream. If you're not comfortable still from a health perspective, I love that we can live stream. If you can be here, you need to be here, and your kids need to be here. You know, they, they do. And, and we want to, you know, darn, you know, some, some of you, I, I, I'm in a position where I've seen, you know, my children grow up. I've seen my grandchildren growing up and I'm seeing great-grandchildren, my Lord, you know, I'm seeing great-grandchildren coming up now and I think, it goes so quick. There's only a small window to build a foundation. And, and, and while we've got that small window, we need to seize it with everything we've got. That is why here at Genesis, we are, we, we are totally committed to you and your children. We are. That's why we've got the children's ministries that we've got going, because we want to support you in raising your children in godly ways as best we can. That's why we've got, we've, we, we've, we've got a next-gen director that is second to none. Faith Argeropoulos does a fantastic job. And you know what? 
We, we made that a full-time staff position a couple of years ago because we want to invest in your children who, can I just say this? There are children too because we're church family. And we want to see your children growing up with a good foundation to know God and to love God. Who knows? Maybe one of the future pastors of Genesis is in the ark this morning. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, far better to raise leadership from within who've got our DNA than to have to go scouting around saying, I wonder if we can get a hold of anybody. Come here. Don't worry, I'm going to be around for a while yet. But, uh, but, but yeah, parents, parents, I encourage you. If you're watching at home today, I'm not getting at you. I'm really not. But I am encouraging you. Just take a look at why you're not in church in person. You get your kids to different things. You take them to their games. You take them to this. You take them to that bring them to church. You may say they don't want to come. They don't get the choice. They're kids. You're the parents. Now, you say to me, that's easy for you. Trust me, I was the pastor, and there were times my kids didn't want to go to church. Mind you, they went to church about 20 times a week, I think. I'd have been churched out myself. In fact, I probably was. Leave an example worth following. And I do want to say this, it's never too late to start. Never too late to start. You may say, well, I missed, I missed the boat when my kids were young. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Never too late to start. Let your current life and lifestyle reflect Jesus to those you care about. Leave an example worth following. And then just let me say this quickly. I think our clock works faster than it used to on a Sunday morning. Just finally then, and quite briefly, leave a hope worth pursuing. Leave a hope worth pursuing. So here's Jesus as He left the earth, and they watched as He went up. And then the Bible says, there were two figures in white that stood there beside the disciples. And in Acts 1.11, it says this, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. As Jesus' disciples left the Mount of Olives that day, they had a purpose worth looking forward to. The early church was consumed with it. That's why so often in the New Testament, you see they were talking about Christ coming again. The angel said he's going to come back the same way as you've seen him going into heaven. They were absolutely fascinated, fixated, looking for the second coming of Christ. And, and you know what? They didn't see it. Those promises still do stand, though. They're very real. But here's the thing. We don't need to get caught up in every aspect of when will Jesus come back? How will Jesus come back? What's this? What's that? What's going to… Jesus will come again one day. What we need to get caught up in is thank God we have a hope beyond this life and beyond this world. We will see Jesus. That's our hope. That's our hope. See. You and I may not be here when He comes again, but we're still going to see Jesus. 
right? We will see him. Jesus left them with a hope that was worth pursuing. In Titus 2, it says this, we're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, honoring life. This new life is starting right now, and here's the bit, is wetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appears. One day, I will see Jesus. That's a hope worth pursuing. One day, I will see Jesus. And we need to make sure those we influence are aware of the fact. We live looking forward. We live looking up. I love the words, and I, I will finish with this, I promise you. I love the words of Job chapter 19 and verse 26, where Job says this, going through a lot of trials, he says, I know that after this body is decayed, this body shall see God then he will be on my side. Yes, I shall see him, not as a stranger, but as a friend. What a glorious hope. I know, I know that after this body is done with, I know that I will see him. And I won't see him as a stranger. I will see him as my friend. What a glorious hope. Thank God. I've got a purpose worth looking forward to. Don't get bogged down in the here and now. Don't allow yourself to get overwhelmed by the, by, by the, the, the tests, the trials of the present. But in the midst even of the, of the worst of your trials, keep looking forward and keep looking upward, knowing this, I will see Him. I will see Him. One day I will. And not as a stranger, but as a friend. Leave like Jesus. Leave a purpose worth dying for, the example of a life that's lived for Christ's purposes. Leave an example that's worth following and leave a hope that is worth pursuing. My God, we are blessed today, aren't we? We are incredibly blessed people just sitting here today. God has been so gracious and God has been so good. And it's in Ephesians 4, Ephesians 1, it speaks about how God has heaped His blessing upon us. And that's us today. We've got a purpose in our life. We've got direction in our lives with the example of Jesus. And we've got a purpose to look forward to. Let's make those things the things that others see in us and take a hold of too, so that when we are alive in the presence of God, our legacy will live on in the lives of those we love. Amen. Let's stand and pray together.